Chief fans, this is my first collaboration. So I'm here with Eugene Driscoll of the Valley Independent Sentinel. It's our our local newspaper now in the the Valley area. Obviously, uh, been in business for how long now? Since 2009, somehow. Wow, it's been it's that ancient. Long. Yeah, yeah. In, in internet years, because we're an internet, we're an online newspaper. That's ancient. Yeah, and um, you know, Eugene, I asked him like, let's get together on this. Obviously, you know. I have a soft spot for journalism and, and uh, my background with my grandfather being a reporter from, from 1939 to 2010. So I, I said to Eugene, like, let's collaborate. Let's talk about this. And uh, especially because it's such a, you know, a, a, one of the landmark events to, to take place in the Valley. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Eugene, you're from out, you know, from New York, but you have a background journalism, but you also have some law enforcement in your background. So, you know, a these things, and a brother. Kind of, yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. this stuff interests you too, just like me. And I, I think, you know, for history's sake, it, it's good that we team up on this. Yeah. I was thinking about that today because, you know, as, as newspapers shrink and the media shrinks and the type of local coverage that I do goes by the wayside, it's, it's clearly on the way out. I was thinking, well, how do you justify covering a tragedy? Uh, but I, I do think, like you said, there's, it's educational. As a new resident of Derby, I mean, I've been here 20 years and that's new, but through you and through your father and your brother and your mom, learning the history of Derby, learning the history of the community I I, I moved to is important. And this is, yeah, a landmark thing that happened in the city of Derby. Yeah. And and you look back, right? And and I'd say like the post-World War II era. You, you kind of have in Derby really like three or four major events that have, you know, really it, it's a lot of people judge things before and after those events. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the 1955 floods, probably the first, you know, large scale modern disaster to hit the valley. And then from there, you know, I'll throw it in because it even though technically it was in Shelton. But it was close enough. You know, the BF Goodridge explosion mm-hmm. right after that, you had the whole die fire. And then uh, shortly after that, you had the River Restaurant explosion. So you, you kind of have, you know, moving into more modern times, you had the terrible fire on Caroline Street in the 90s. Uh, obviously, the turn of the century, we, we had the anthrax uh, attacks, you know, take place in our backyard. And, and then I, I hate to say the last one would kind of be the, the last latex foam fire in, in May of 2001 in Ansonia. In Ansonia, okay. Uh, you know, and a, a lot of... Those are kind of like, you know, the the major uh, events that people talk about still to this day, uh, yeah, especially in Derby. Right. And, and one thing, I was thinking the same thing. The, the, the thing that strikes me as different, right, as the outsider looking in, we live now in this age of social media. And I was struck by, I mean, I knew, okay, the River Restaurant was a, was a restaurant that exploded. Firefighters would talk about it. I would hear it in passing even before the Valley Indy. Uh, launched i would be in various places and hear about it but then each year 
you would would send me a note reminding me, hey, this happened, and I would try to put something together quickly or some type of link to an old article. I've done a couple of retrospectives over the years. The amount in, in, in social media, I'm, I'm trying to make a point about social media, as bad as social media is, some of the people that were lost in that tragedy, their relatives are still very much here. They're online. Absolutely. They read and react. I was take. I was shocked by the amount of comments uh, that people had personal experiences with this tragedy uh, here in Derby. So in that respect, social media can still hold the community together. And I think it also is reflective on the type of community Derby is. Like, I don't know the Derby of 1985. I've heard about it, you know, but I never experienced that Derby. There was a lot of Trans Ams and hair. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Well, that that I'm familiar (laughs) with. But just the fact that, yeah, this was something that happened. It mattered. And, you know, they say never talk about anybody behind their back in the lower Naugatuck Valley. The other thing is, that's very much true. The other thing is, you have to treat people, events, and, and history with respect because the remnants of it are still here. These are, these, we're still directly connected to the people that were lost that day. Correct. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the, with my podcast and with starting it, I, I wanted to tell this story because from the, the fire service side of things, the, the rescue effort that was mounted in, in those days was incredible. And, you know, like I, I think now, if God forbid an incident like that happened, how would we respond? And and we've been trained, right? We have much better equipment, much better training. You know, a lot of that was made up on the fly that day. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that, you know, uh, telling the story from the side of the first responders is, you know, kind of obviously what I do and with, with my, uh, my, my podcast. So, this is really the first of, of several episodes that we're going to focus on. You know, today we wanted to talk a little bit about the background, the history of the event, and then I'm, I'm actually going to sit down and do some in-depth interviews with some of the first responders that responded that day. And, you know, the, the, uh, the rescue of, of Michael Ippolito and, and how the, the firefighters of the Valley came together and were able to pull that off is, is just an incredible act of, of uh, heroism that, and, and as much as, you know, in our profession, it, it's all in the line of work. It's, you know, that was an extraordinary event that required extraordinary people at, at the right moment to come together. And, and that's what you get. And that's one of the, the benefits of the Valley is that when something goes wrong, you know, there's no better place to be because the community rallies. And, mm. you know, I joke, I, I tell people, look, the Valley, it's like a dysfunctional family. We'll fight amongst each other all day, but don't start a fight with one of us because you're dealing with the rest of us. Well, and- you shared you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted. No, no, go, go. Well, I was going to say you shared a video uh, with me that was taken from the scene, and it's I, it's moments after the explosion happened, or so I don't know the exact amount of time, but it's pretty much it's as the firefighters are responding, and you see the response from people on the street. People are going towards this thing. Correct. Uh, and so what you said is literally uh, in this video. Right. Uh, so the the I guess too we should probably just lay out you know for the for the younger audience it, it was December uh six night or six excuse me nineteen eighty five would be the date that we're talking about it'd be the thirty eighth anniversary coming up in a, a few days of of the event and there's a couple things that I wanted to background on because uh you know for the interest of understanding the event and understanding how it happened. Uh, you you should have in your cadre of, of stuff I sent you a what looks like a, a top map, an older map 
uh, showing. I, I do have two maps. Uh, there's this one. Nope, the one before that. Okay, so so what you're looking at here is um, the intersection of Main and Caroline Streets, and and what the building that would be turned into the River Restaurant is the 172 to 164 block. You'll see it says uh, 2B Saloon and then Barber. And, and these are taken off of what's called the Sanborn fire maps. For, for history nerds like myself, if you want to get lost in a document online, you know, Google Sanborn fire maps. And what they were was they were maps from the insurance companies. So the event of a conflagration, they knew who to pay and how much to pay. So if you even if you look at this small section here, you know, you'll, you'll see the, the, you know, there's an undertaker, there's a laundry, there's a barber. And then you'll see some of the manufacturing, you know, FA box is a fire alarm box. Uh, you know, it's giving you information about the buildings. But what what the reason why I wanted to show you this is you see the waterway, right, where it says race. on that. OK, I didn't know what that was. OK, right. So that's that's part of the aqueduct system okay. that was put in to help move goods. So if you look at the, the factory that's kind of cut off there, you see the office of the factory, the, the uh, pinkish shaded buildings are more industrial and the, the yellow buildings are, are more commercial back okay. then. So you're looking at what was part of that, uh, that aqueduct system and it would go across Caroline street. And now when we just knocked down uh, the buildings on the, between Caroline and, and factory street, you know, that was in the news, right? There was, there was more of that where you could see the archways. There they were. Well, yeah. The, yeah. This like part the industrial of the, revolution. Yeah, this part of the aqueduct would be covered pretty quickly. So it wasn't around as long as the section across the street. So I believe this map, Eugene, do you know what the, the title is? Because it should be the year. Okay. If, I didn't uh, realize that. I, I, I'm a moron. But yeah, this is 1898. Yes. That's okay, what that so this says. is 1898. So you see that that waterway is there. If you transition to the next map, right, you'll see now there's the barber, the tailor, the saloon, and the waterway is gone. So oh, okay. in the, the, what year is this one? 1912. All right. So in the, the 14 years between that last map and this map, you know, you'll, you'll see that the waterway was covered up and it would make the, the basement of the river restaurant. Mm. Right. And, and that becomes important because uh, the, the leak would occur in the, in Caroline street and the gas would seep its way across and fill the basement. That's where it pooled, and this was a, where, where it was a ginormous basement, dude. This was right, a, this right. Was a so big... it was, a, and that's where the you know the 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 catalyst of this entire disaster starts. So you know, it's it's kind of amazing to think that you you could pull a, a map from you know well over a hundred years ago and, and see the beginnings of this there, and how over time you know the building would be repurposed. Now the original River Restaurant. Uh, now I, I obviously was not here for this part. But at the time when the uh, when the explosion happened in 1985, it had been in business the river for well over 50 years. Prior to its location at Maine and Caroline, it was on Main Street, just north of the uh, Derby Shelton Bridge. So I I was looking for a picture. Um, I know there's a few out there, but there used to be a, a cluster of buildings. Like for us young younger people. You know, imagine there was still blocks of, of buildings on the far side of Route 34 hanging over the river. Mm. And the, hence the name, River Restaurant. It was there. And the Eppolito family, you know, started it and, and ran it. And then 
about 10 years before the, the disaster, they moved to, to the Caroline Street, Main Street location. Those buildings were knocked down. And that's another thing that I find very, very fascinating is that, you know, most of us in our, our you know, the younger generations, we know downtown Derby as like a, a desolate wasteland, right? right. In 1985, it was the thriving downtown of a city. Every storefront, you know, there was there were still buildings on both sides of the road. The whole area down behind Caroline Street was still, you know, well industrial, commercial. All those businesses were occupied and running. You know, people were living in all the apartments above. So it's not like you know nowadays you go down there and and, and you kind of have a hard time visualizing. Yes. Well, that that was in and like you said, we have that the video. Um, I, I call it the Calvert video. It's uh, because it was shot by Mr. Calvert of Calvert. I learned Sable. that today. I did. I had no idea that he, he appears in, in, in a news yeah, report. So it. It, it's amazing because in that day and age to have somebody with a video camera right there on the spot, you know, nowadays, obviously we know it's if anything everywhere. happens, you could go on, you know, YouTube it and you'll find 400 angles, but to find that video that, that quick. So that you can see, though, that downtown, you know, there's still a lot of people walking around in suits. All those, you know, there was travel agencies, there was jewelry stores. You know, the, again, Calvert was still there. The Nutty Company, the Derby Pizza House. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, it was Club Soda was the bar, you know, that used to be down there. And and all those uh, businesses were were up, uh, the, you know, the Billiard Hall, Vanetti's, Derby Jewelers, you know, the Bridge Smoke Shop. They were all up and running and, and, and full of people. So the the event, as we said, December 6, 1985, um, a couple weeks earlier, the city started a, a project to separate the storm and uh, sanitary sewer systems. And, and that's where, you know, the, the they obviously in the course of moving all the earth, they cracked a cast iron gas pipe. I did uh, read. You know, Go you, ahead. I say, yep, Go ahead. I was going to say, I read this, uh, the National Transportation Safety Board report uh, on this accident, and it's a fascinating read because they had to do an investigation because they had to determine, well, was this a gas leak that had been going on for a while or was it something immediate? And it came down to, yeah, exactly what you're saying. They had just put in a new sewer pipe and they did some backfill and there were stones in the backfill that wasn't supposed to be, according to the NTSB, any stones in that backfill and they hit up what they i guess they 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 backfilled it and then a machine operator is condensing it you know he's he's stomping it down literally with uh with machinery and that put pressure on the rocks cracked the pipe and then they determined that it had to happen within a few hours it hadn't been something that was leaking for hours and hours and hours right and you know if you look, uh, if you read that report, and that's an incredible report, there's a couple good reports that you could find relatively easy. There's that one. There's the National Fire uh, Protection Association uh, report. And they, they talk about that there was, throughout the days prior, there there was a constant odor of gas. As a, as a matter of fact, in, in Mr. Calvert's video, you know, I don't know if you watch it with the sound on, like almost immediately he's outside talking to people and they're all talking about how they've been smelling gas. I could smell it, yeah. You know, and and again, you 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 transform that at, at, in the modern times. At the time, I think the Derby Fire Department probably had one or two combustible gas detectors. You know, every apparatus carries one now. They're they're, they're you know they're ten times more sensitive. They're, they're they're much more technology. You know, you you 
you compare the differences in time and how we would respond. That's what you think of in my line of work is what would we do now if we went to something like that? But the, they had been going out several days. And even the day of, you know, there was a call to the gas company to a, ga- a gas company worker and a supervisor came out and, you know, they, they couldn't determine anything. But the, even the owner, Mr. Epolito, they reported, you know, smelling gas all day. Everybody was was it was a thing. Oh, we just smelled it. Uh, and, and then at 3.55, roughly, p.m. is when the explosion happened. And uh, I, w- the- I was reading again in that report, one of the things that the, the investigators said from, uh, you know, the feds right. was that some of the earlier reports, this specific report earlier in the day could have been sewage. It could have been sewage gas sure. because before they broke the pipe, they, they broke a sewage they pipe and that sewage. was leaking. Right. So, you know, the, the restaurant exploded. Now, from my standpoint, I was about eight years old when this happened. And as you know, growing up in the, the fire service, um, we were actually playing football in the backyard on Hawthorne Ave. And, you know, we heard the explosion and you mm-hmm. saw like a, 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 a smoke cloud coming up over, you know, the downtown area. But the, the thing that, that stirred my brother and I to start running was the, it immediately tripped the fire alarm box. So, again, you know, different time periods. We, we didn't have cell phones, so telegraph fire alarm boxes were still in use and still a thing. And the force of the explosion tripped the box across the street on the telephone pole. Oh, wow. So as soon as the, the boom happened, the, you know, the horn, the fire horn started. And, and we, you know, again, we were, we were young kids. We were eight, you know, eight, nine-year-old uh, brothers who were involved. In, you know, our, my dad at the time was the chief of the ambulance corps. My grandfather was the fire commissioner in Derby. So we ran inside to, to try to get mom to, to find out what was going on. Um, I, I could remember hearing my father talking on the radio because he was actually leaving a call at Griffin Hospital and he, and he was in our ambulance when it happened. And, uh, you know, we, we went down to the scene like we, we did when we were kids with every disaster or fire in the, the valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically, my grandfather was, in, uh, he was on assignment in Atlanta for the evening Sentinel. Oh, no kidding. So, yeah. So he, he didn't return home till the next morning. He was able to get a flight home. Um, but you know, th- that's kind of my memory of it. I could remember, you know, w- walking up and, and seeing, but obviously we were kids, you know, I, I have a very fuzzy memory of it. Um, but you know, a lot of the guys from the fire department, they, they really, I mean, obviously an incident like this is, is seared into your mind. And you the, know, the, the people in, you, you know, that yeah, restaurant and that's in there. The, that's the hard part is that, you, you know, the advantage of a small town is everybody knows everybody. The disadvantage of the small town is that everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, you know, uh, members of the storms, you know, uh, Mrs. Pogazowski, who passed away in it, uh, you know, sh- her son belonged to the storms. So the, the, the guys from the fire department were, you know, literally responding and digging to one of their own's mother mm-hmm. that they knew was in the building. You know, so it, it, it adds a whole nother layer onto w- what you go through in a situation like that, because the, the personal connection is so much, you know, you're not, you're not at an incident, you know, the river restaurant was one of the most popular restaurants in Derby and, and it, it was where everyone went on a Friday night. And, and, you know, everyone knows that there was a, a big dinner party planned there that, that night with about a hundred people expected to attend. Uh, it, it's just, 
you know, one of our it, readers with that the, the the restaurant or the Christmas party that I guess was going to yes, happen. Yeah. When I did something years ago, someone said it was Team Inc. specifically. I don't know if that's true. That was somebody who said he had worked for Team at the time, and they were the ones that were supposed to be in there. And that's the uh, the agency that's based on Elizabeth Street in in Derby. So yeah, let's throw that out there as random. And I, I just yeah, it's it's just another you know layer of the onion, if you will. That that everybody responding there, you know, knew everybody working there right you know it's small town it's, it's and, every, and to you this know. day like again as an outsider i look at some of the last names of the victims those are names that are still prominent today in ansonia and derby so uh it's i can't even imagine what it was like to, to actually be there and to to be trying to save you know people you know from the community right and you know initially they they were able to, to make some surface uh, nowadays we call it surface victim you know, rescues where they were able to pull some people out. And then as they arrived on scene, they started working from, from what, you know, being told they heard a, a, just a, a blood curling scream. And that's when they determined that the, you know, the owner's son, Michael Epolito uh, was trapped in the rubble and that led them to begin, you know, th this, this massive rescue effort. And they, they, every one of the first responders, every one of the guys from the, that I've talked to, you know, they, they say that his his yelling for help, his screaming is one of the things that they won't forget. Uh, and, you know, that that kind of kept them going to to be able to affect that rescue. And, and uh, Dave, ever, was the was the now the gas, it hadn't been turned off by that point. Right. There no, was still. No, an, and, and again, other I never knew this until today. Yeah. But, the, the gas hadn't been turned off. At one point, they, they started getting gas readings in the, the sewers in the neighborhood. They actually had to evacuate again that. That whole downtown being a thriving neighborhood, they actually had to evacuate and set up a shelter at Irving School. And, uh, you know, a couple of a hundred or so people were displaced from the downtown area and moved to Irving School. So and I did see that some of the some of the victims and the people that they all lived right there. It wasn't yeah. like, the, you know, it was a, it was a different derby you know, right, where right. The, the shop owner lives on Minerva Street. Uh, yeah. And the danger I just never like where, where I was reading that it was 100% levels of gas in the sewers going out blocks. I mean, the the danger that was uh, still underway, like while this was happening and while they're trying to rescue people uh, is, is mind boggling. That was new info for me. It, it is. And, and, you know, fortunately, in a way, we were able to have such good you know documentation on the event. So you could still, you know, read it. You could still learn from it. We, we could still use it for training. I mentioned those other reports. The video uh, from from Mr. Calvert is just incredible uh, when you when you watch the entirety of it. And, and it it is, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to to getting the story out there. And I think the other thing it does is it keeps the the memory of the victims, you know, still in our hearts, still in in the community. And you know, we always say when something happens, you know, never forget, never forget. And I think it's important that you do stuff like this for that exact reason. Mm -hmm. And like you said, a lot of those families are still well-established in the Valley. And it, it I think, you know, a way it's, it's good for them to know that, that we haven't forgotten about them. I agree a hundred percent. And your father, I think has posted YouTube videos going back probably a decade, some of which are connected to this. And there's one he posted. I watched half of it today where it was, uh, I, I think he calls it the River Restaurant Story. And it's a news report. I'm not even sure if the station is in, is is still around. But uh, it goes through for a good 20 minutes 
you know, at the scene because it was it was a, a report done after the fact. Then it interviews uh, some of the survivors of the, of the people who, uh, you know, the family members of people who lost their lives. And yeah, it's tough to, it, you know, as a, as an outsider, as a stranger, it, it's tough to watch. I mean, it's it's definitely heart wrenching. So and and again, as a Derby resident, I wouldn't know this if it wasn't for people like you, your family, and the people in Derby who make it a point to remember this stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I think it's something too. I, I, you know, I would like to at some point, hopefully, you know, when when uh, a couple of weeks go by, you know, maybe even approach the city now that the the sidewalk is complete there, and that the the construction in the area is kind of done. I mean, maybe it is time we talk to the the city fathers and the the, the about putting something there, a little memorial. Mm-hmm. You know that I know that the. Uh, Historical society now, they're putting the plaques on the buildings. Uh, and, and, you know, it might be time for a little monument, a little something little to be affixed at the site, uh, you know, commemorating it. Yeah, I, I would think the city uh, would do that uh, quickly. Right. It should asked, be, you know. Yeah, it shouldn't be a, a difficult thing because it did. It, it transformed downtown Derby. It, it definitely affected and touched, you know, the lives of of. So, you know, obviously, in addition to the Derby Fire Police and the Storm Ambulance Corps, you know, Seymour, Shelton, Ansonia, Beacon Falls, Bethany, uh, the New Haven Fire Department was heavily involved in this with, you know, Chief Grant and the relationship that he had uh, with the Derby Fire Department. Uh, you know, the it wasn't just, like I said, it, it was a lot of communities around that responded. Uh, you know, Sikorsky Aircraft, a mass casualty vehicle. Uh, I believe I sent you a map of the scene. Um, did I send you that one? There should be a map of, uh, if, if you sent it, I did not upload okay. that one. I yeah, it was, a, it was a, a map of the scene that was drawn out of where all the fire apparatus was parked. And it, it just gives you a list, you know, the VEMS paramedics were there. Uh, other things, you know, the, the Griffin hospital, uh, differences in the way that hospitals respond to emergencies nowadays, you know, Griffin hospital went into the disaster plan and, and, you know, you, you, look back at all the, the, that was very big in the, you know, years ago, they did a lot of disaster drilling and they had like annual disaster drills in the Valley. And I remember, you know, with my grandfather, my, my parents, my father, we would, my brother and I would be involved in them a lot as a victim. You know, we were a couple of mm-hmm. kids, you know, there was bus crashes and, and they had done a lot of that training of, you know, large scale disasters. And, and if you listen to the radio traffic of that day, it's it's everybody calling everyone to implement the disaster plans and and they had you know their plans there you, you'll listen right away you'll hear the ambulances arrive on scene and say you know it, 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 this is it implement our disaster plan uh one of the recordings Artie Fredericks who's a was working the desk at the time the police station you know he called right away down to New Haven to the regional dispatch area and said, look, we had just had the river restaurant explode. You have to implement our disaster plan. And you hear them immediately calling Griffin Hospital saying, hey, something just blew up in downtown Derby. There's a lot of casualties coming your way. Start your disaster plans. And, I mean, you're talking within minutes of it mm. happening. Th- this was set into motion. And that's what, over the next, you know, several episodes of the podcast, we're going to sit down and interview some of the those members that responded and, and took part of this. And, it, and an explosion, you know, sometimes uh, as just a local reporter, we're, we're, we're a little uh, liberal with the word explosion, but this was a true. Yeah, it, it leveled the building, you know, the, the rear of the building kind of collapsed down, the front of the building maintained, 
if you look at early pictures of the incident, you can still see like the front facade. Uh, but over time, it would kind of uh, settle down a little bit. Um, and and again, the, besides the explosion, the gas problem, you had the fire, you know, raging um, from within the rubble that started. And it, it was, you know, again, just a, a Herculean effort to, to pull off what, what a lot of those guys pulled off. Many explosions were still happening. There were pockets of gas. I was just reading an account where I think it was was a Chief Butler at the time. Yeah, at the time it was the fire chief was Jim Butler, who passed uh, away the, two years ago. Yeah, the assistant uh, chiefs were uh, Char- Char- I, Charlie Stanky the third, Chuck Stanky the third, and then uh, Phil Hawks and Ron Kumo were the uh, fire chiefs at the time. All people that are still around. That's amazing. Still around, like we said, yeah, a lot <laughs> yeah. of them are and, and the, still involved you know, the, in the fire. Right service. in the in the valley in the fire service, those are the. Like when you say to someone, well, when did you join? And they'll say like right before BF, right after BF, right before the river, right after the river. Like that's kind of the, okay. those are the separations of, of years in the department. So they were trying to to get to free Mr. Polito and they, they dug a hole. And I guess uh, there was a contractor who was doing work on the highway or something. He came down, they're clearing out debris. There was a little mini explosion filled the hole back in apparently. Uh, just, just insane. So yeah, I so have videos. If you if you I do have the video you sent me from that I guess was Mr. Calvert. I have yeah. your father's page where he had uh, the Channel Two News report, which is yes, uh, short and amazing. Uh, so let me know if you want to. Yeah, no, I, I I'm gonna we can post those up on the social media sites when we do that. I just wanted to include. Them. I didn't know if you wanted to watch them, but you know, I I. For my yeah. private viewing, yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, I, well, I saw that that WCBS report a couple of years back, and what struck me, first of all, uh, yeah, seeing it, yeah, it was, it, it looked like a bomb went off. It literally looked like that. And then, uh, you know, as someone who's lived in Derby for twenty years, seeing that, oh wow, Derby had there was much Main Street looked much different, much different than than, yeah. than what I'm used to. Yeah, I did. That was all uh, new to me. Uh, so I would say, uh, you know, join us. It's the Volley Chief. It's available on all. Uh, podcast platforms uh, over the next couple of weeks as we continue the story and get into it with, uh, you know, we're, uh, I'm obviously going to be interviewing my father, uh, Tom Leonard Sr. He was one of the first ambulances on scene. And then he had to switch modes because he was a police officer in town and, uh, you know, become a cop again, if you will. And um, then uh, Mike Wittick, Mike was uh, from the storms. He was one of the members that was, in, uh, you know, directly involved in the rescue with, uh, with Mr. Epolito. So I, I've got a few of the members lined up that we're going to sit down and talk to and, and, and hear their story that day. So join us on this adventure. Eugene, I thank you for, for giving me a little bit of technical help here and, uh, you know, teaming up with me on this one. My pleasure. Are you kidding? Yeah. So uh, stay tuned to the next episode and um, have a good night, everybody.